Well, good morning. Thanks for coming. Thanks for being here. I have found mornings like this, you know, I've, I don't know how many seminars this is for you. If this is your first, second, third, fourth, I've been to many. And I always, I always leave grateful for coming. Um, I always leave freshly reminded of who God is, what he's called me to, the joy and gift of parenting. Uh, These moments give me faith. And so I hope more than anything that you're not aware of your failure, you're not aware of your shortcomings, you're not aware of ways that you need to grow or improve. I hope you're aware of that. But more than anything, I hope you leave aware God is going to be with you. And that's, that's our hope. God is going to be with us. So I, I remember attending my first parenting seminar. It's while Lauren, my wife, was pregnant with our first, who is 11 now. It was with, um, it was a shepherding, shepherding a child's heart seminar with Ted Tripp, the godfather of all parenting classes. I mean, this guy, he wrote a book that's great. And I came thinking, all right, this guy, he's going he's gonna to tell me what I need to do. He's going to tell me, I'm going to take notes, I'm going to leave, I'm going to be ready to just knock it out of the park. I'm going to have a great relationship, be a godly, sensible father. My son's going to love and respect me. Everything's going to be good. I'm going to, I'm going to focus on his heart. I'm going to dress his I'm going to shepherd his heart. Fast forward a couple years. <coughs> I go into a shepherding a child's heart seminar. Ted Tripp is there, but I don't come in confident. I come in desperate. I come in fearful. I come in anxious. I come in more aware of my failures, more aware of my impatience, more aware of my anger. I had questions with like, am I going to have a relationship with my son when he gets older? Have I ruined it? You know, and it's just been two years. And, and so I walk in very different experience. But, but this is how I walked away from that second seminar. I walked away feeling parented by my heavenly father. I walked away reminded, not, I, I, I walked away reminded of his patient and his tender love toward me. I walked away reminded of his wise and sufficient communication to me through his word. I walked away reminded that I can stand on his promises, that I can trust in what he has said. And that no matter what life throws at me, no matter how bad I might mess up or fail, I can trust him and I can go to him. And so, so I don't know how you guys come into these settings. I don't know what your expectations are. I think most of us like to-do lists. I think most of us like programs, specific actions. But that's not what I'm going to give you this morning. That's not what, because that's not what God has given us. God has given us principles. He has given us things which we can walk out and apply. God is not silent on this issue of parenting, but he's given us a path, and it's a path that we walk by faith, right? So we're going to walk this path by faith. We're not going to walk in a formula. We're not going to walk in this, okay, if I do all these things, then boop, out's going to pop out this great kid. No, we're going to walk this path by faith, and we're going to trust what God has given us. And Wise parenting, it's a dynamic, improvising, it has a dynamic and improvising quality to it. Raising kids is not like being a computer programmer where you put everything in and then everything works or you're working on an engine. No, it is always moving and changing. You don't know what the day is going to hold. You don't know what question you're going to be asked. You don't know what situation that you're going to walk into. 
And then what I have found is, okay, once you get comfortable, you're kind of like, okay, I'm starting to figure this thing out a little bit. I'm getting into this. And then it's just like, oh, we're on to a whole new area. You're entering this new season with your kids where you're like, I don't know what to do now. And I think that's by design. I think God loves to keep us weak and needy on him. The moment where we feel like we're becoming, oh, we got this. He's like, oh, you don't know what I got for you. And, and I think that's a, but that's a good place for us to be dependent, humble, teachable. And so just as we begin to think about ages 0 to 5, 0 to, zero to 6, I just want to encourage you, God is going to be with you each step of the way. Though you may not know where, the, where life is headed, just know that he will be with you. He will never leave nor forsake you. And I wanted to begin with that verse in Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. Here, here's what we get to be to our kids. Therefore, in light of all that God has done, remember that therefore is loaded, right? In light of what God has done for us, saving us by his grace, justifying us in Christ, giving us new life, sanctifying us by the spirit. Here's what we get to do in light of all that. We get to imitate him. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. What it, and, and, I mean, that's a sobering and incredible reality. This is what we get to be. We get to imitate our heavenly father to our kids. That, that is what we want them to see. We do not want them to see a perfect father, a perfect mother. We want them to know and trust and love their heavenly father. And that's who we get to imitate. So how can we do that? First, parents, love your children. Your children have been created by God and have been created in his image. God has created your children for himself. They are called to use their entire lives to love and to serve him with all their heart, all their soul, all their mind, and all their strength. Yet children are a gift from God to you. Psalm 127.3, Behold, Children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. They're a heritage. They are an inheritance. They are a gift from him. They are evidence of God's blessing. As the psalmist says, blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. So parents, we are to rejoice. We are to love our children. God, he gives us that example to follow. So at Jesus' baptism, think about this. What happens after Jesus comes out of the water? The clouds part, and what does Jesus hear? He hears the voice of his father. And he, he says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So he loves his son. And that's what we get to follow. So Jesus, he treats children as precious to him. He welcomes them into his presence. So not only do we see God the father loving his son, but we see Jesus himself loving children. So too, we are to rejoice and love our children. They are gifts from God and evidence of his blessing. Biblical love for our children can often be obscured by numerous other pursuits, distractions. Nowadays, it seems like you cannot simply love and train your children. It requires a lot of other things. You must do more amongst other, besides loving your children. You got to get them to piano lessons, sign them up for sports teams, instill in them a healthy diet, prevent an unhealthy love for sugar, develop their social skills, give them plenty of options for clothing, toys, meals, and so on. I love this by Kevin DeYoung. He says, there are so many rules and expectations of parents. Parenting may be the last bastion of legalism. 
not just in the church, but in our culture. We live in a permissive society that won't count any sin against you as an adult, but will count the calories in your kids' hot lunches. I keep hearing that kids aren't supposed to eat sugar anymore. What a world! What a world! My parents were solid as rock, as a rock, but we still had a cupboard populated with cereal royalty. Captain Crunch, Count Chocula. In our house, the pebbles were fruity, and the charms were lucky. Hallelujah. The breakfast bowl was a place for marshmallows, not dried camping fruit. Our milk was 2%, and sometimes, if we needed to take the edge off a rough morning, we'd tempt fate and chug a little vitamin D. Before long, our entire family's life revolves around the children and a desperate attempt to secure what is best for them. And so none of those things are wrong. Your child's diet, all those things, they're not wrong. But often they can pull us away from really what are we after? What, what, are, we, what are we really after? What should our main focus be? As Mike talked about earlier, what are we at? We're after their hearts. We, we, we love them. We want, we want to serve them. And what is our greatest concern for them? Well, we want it to be what God's greatest concern was for us as our Heavenly Father. And He came after our hearts. He came to rescue us. He came and gave Himself for us. So in talking about parents' responsibility, responsibilities to children, Kevin DeYoung, he says this, when you think about it, what does the Bible actually say about parenting? God doesn't provide many specific instructions about the parent-child relationship, except that parents should teach their children about God, should discipline them, be thankful for them, and not exasperate them. Filling in the details depends on the family, the culture, the spirit's wisdom, and a whole lot of trial and error. So I hope you feel that. Like what you need, what, what I need, what I have found is that I need wisdom. I need wisdom from above. So here, here's five simple ways for you to love your children then. Tell them often that you love them. Don't assume that your kids know that you love them. Shower them with your love. Look them in the eyes and just with a smile on your face say, do you know how much I love you? Do you know how much, what a gift you are to me? Do you know how much it means that I get to be your mom, that I get to be your dad? Two, carve out time to be with them and be completely there. Put away the phone. Eliminate all distractions and put it in your calendar. Plan for it. Don't, and, and make this something to where nothing gets to interfere with it, but enter in and be completely there with your child get on their level look into their eyes enter into the building of legos enter into the playing with baby dolls interact with them be with them throw football whatever it is just be there what they want what our kids crave is you is to be with them they want to be with their mom and dad and we want to be there with them i'd encourage you if you're able to to eat dinner regularly as a family be ruthless in maintaining this. Make this a commitment saying we're going to fight for the dinner table to be a place where we gather as a family. Slow down. Slow down. We can be in such a hurry. We can be in the hurry from one thing to the next. So watch out for that word. Hurry. Hurry up and put your shoes on. Hurry up and get out of the bath. Hurry up and brush your teeth. Let's just go, go, go. We got to go. We got to go to the next thing. Slow down. Don't let your kids feel like they just have to keep up with you. 
that, that you have a schedule that they have to follow. But, but be with them. Be slow, especially in these younger years. Don't overdo it. Like, I mean, just be with them. And they need your attention. They need your time. And also, when you go, take them with you. Take them with you. They may not like to run errands with you, but take them anyway and teach them. I love this image of Proverbs where the father, he was always walking with his son. I love that. I think his son loved to be with his dad. I think his father wanted to be with his son. I think they loved being together. I think they loved just walking and talking. And his father was looking for opportunities to teach his son and give him wisdom. That's how we should think as parents. How can we walk in this world with our kids? How can we teach them about this world as we even in running errands? I get a lot of interesting questions with my kids when we run errands, when we go to stores and we interact with other people and they see things that they don't really understand. And there's just moments where it's like, okay, this is a teaching moment. This is a moment where I don't want to be in a hurry and miss it. I want to be mindful. I want to on my way when we're in that car and it's just the two of us. I want to think, how can I draw them out? How can I talk to them? How can I make the most of this moment? So we have to be present with our kids. Just being at home is not enough. I would encourage you, enjoy them. Enjoy them. Fight to enjoy them. I, at times, have to fight to enjoy them, my kids, because I'm selfish. So I have to put things into place to where I'm reminded. I have to go to God's word and remind myself of what a gift he, he is to me. And so... Absence and indifference will negatively affect our relationship with our kids. Quality time is something you can't have on demand, no matter the vacation you plan. So this is there. I was talking to a guy once, and he said that his kids would sometimes describe him, oh, we got vacation dad. Love vacation dad. Oh, man, yes. Vacation dad is all there. Vacation dad is all in. He's, he's, he's focused on us. He's he's. We got his attention. Yeah, we love vacation, Dad. And, man, when I heard that, I just my heart sunk. Because, I mean, vacation is like once or twice a year where you're just trying to pull away from really what reality is and trying to build relationship, trying to have these golden moments in this week, in the week or two amount of time where it's like, okay, I'm going to try to build all these memories and we're going to do all this stuff and we're going to have all this time together and we've got to accomplish all this stuff. But... But that's not how those golden moments are, are won. That's not how those golden moments happen. I love what Ted Tripp says. He says, quality time happens in quantity time. So if you're looking for that, quality time happens in quantity time. And I have found with little kids, and even as they've gotten older, these times can happen even when you're just laying in bed. At the end of the day, I had uh, Colin Sanders, he once said, it's that at, for parents, it's like, at the end of the day, you've got like six more inches to cross the goal line of like, all right, I did another day. I got through. I parented. I loved them, and I made it. But I have found it's like, don't stop. Finish the day lying in bed with your kid, loving them, talking to them, praying for them. Secure those moments where it's unhurried, and I have found their hearts just begin to open up, and they love that time with you. Don't miss those opportunities to be with them. Second, parents, teach your children authority. Teach your children authority. If we, if we as parents are to imitate the fatherhood of God, 
meaning he is the model of our own fathering or mothering. A good place for us to learn this is from the Garden of Eden. So I think a good place to learn this is where he created the world, and especially on how the Lord uses yes and no. Look at Genesis 2 with me. It's in your outline. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So note three features of the rules God established. First, there was one no in a world of yes. I think that's interesting. One no in a world of yes. Second, the yes came first. And third, the no was real. <laughs> the no was a no. We've got to stand on the no. You're right. We've got a lot of yeses, but we've got a no. We've got a real no. A no that if it's broken, there's consequences for the no. And I love what Joe Rigney, he says, all three of these features are crucial. God did not create a world of no filled with prohibitions and restraints. He made a world of yes, and, he, and, gave, it, and gave it his enthusiastic endorsement. God provided Adam with a garden of delights filled with beautiful trees, tasty fruit. And his first rule was eat from every tree except one. There is one no in this world of yes. And so I think that's, that's just a helpful principle, I think, of is your, especially with little kids, are we exasperating our kids just with a lot of rules? I think that's a good question to ask. What are the rules in your home? What is the motive behind them? I have, we have rules in our home which are established for our children's good. There are times when I establish rules for my children for my own personal good, <laughs> my own personal gain. I don't like that, so please stop. You know, do I, do I, in that moment, I'm calling my child to something that if they don't, then I'm going to have to follow through with a discipline. I want to make those decisions with wisdom. So when I, when I go to the floor with them, when I say, like, hey, we're not going to do that, as a parent, we need to think about, okay, what is behind this rule? Why, what is behind this no? And also, with every no, we want to think about, can we give them something else, a yes? Can we give them something to where we're leading them into the goodness in which the world that God has given us. And so I think that's just a helpful mindset. I love, if we're going to imitate our father, when God created this world for Adam and Eve, what did he do? He created a world of yes with a no. So in our homes, we want it. This doesn't mean that we're licentious and we just let our kids do whatever we want. But there, there, there's like a, there's something in that to where you want to think about, we want to enjoy. We want to create a space where our kids can enjoy this world. Our home is a joyful place. There's levity in our home. There's laughter in our home. There's not just, no, no to this, no to this. Now, why are you doing that? Now, come over here. We want that, but it's more the heartbeat is laughter, joy, delight, goodness. And we want to lead them into that. So as creatures created by God and in his image, your child has entered a world that he knows nothing about. I, we have to, as parents with young kids, we have to remember that. These kids know nothing, absolutely nothing about the world. And we as parents, what we get to do is show them what this world is like. And we get to teach them. So as parents, we have the incredible privilege and responsibility to show our children the world. That the world is not theirs, it's not mom and dad's, but it's God's. And it's governed by his authority. In addition to this, the world includes other authority structures that our children will eventually encounter. One day they may be an employee, a student to his teacher. Maybe they're going to be driving too fast and meet a police officer. 
I mean, there's just going to be these author- these moments where we're going to want to teach, even at a young age, authority begins at this young age when they are zero to five. We're instilling this in them. So two, your home is like a miniature world where your child is to learn how to relate, relate to authority. So your children, our children, learn how to relate and understand authority through how you model and teach it. So that's what we get to do is to teach that. So first... The position of authority, letter A. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Pretty simple, pretty clear. For this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Proverbs 6, 20. My son, keep your father's commandments and forsake not your mother's teaching. And so this authority, what is it based on? It is based on God's command. So this, is, this isn't based on my command. This isn't based on what I want. This is based on what God has said. This is an authority. This is, this is a standard that is outside of me. That is, this isn't because of me. This is because of who God is. This is what he has said. Now, he is perfect. His rules are great. His commands are gracious. His purpose in all this is good. And so this authority has been given to parents to now teach and train our, char- our children to follow. So this is why your authority in the home is right before God, because God has called you. This is where Mike was saying he's called you to do this. You're you've been given an authority over your child to teach and to call them to obey to a call to honor you is from God. And so most parents do not grasp for this authority, but we can kind of pull away from it. We can kind of delegate it. I think that's what in our world. Parents so easily want to give authority outside of this. It's just easier. Just easier. I'd rather someone else have to take care of my kid because it's just easier. It's easier just to let them veg out on a screen or a device or go do this or that. It's just easier for me. It, it takes more work for us to say, no, 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 no. I'm the authority and we're going to, and I'm going to teach you and help you learn how to live in God's world. Now, now, there are those who can abuse this authority, and that is not how God intended it. And that is an evil use of it. So that is not God's way. When we see God's authority in the lives of his children, it is right. It is good. It is for their good. And that's how we want to see it with our kids. So God has placed your child in your home so you might teach him biblical authority that leads, serves, and sacrifices for others. So your child is commanded by God to obey and honor you. B, the authority of blessing. Authority of position is authority assigned to us by God. However, authority of blessing flows to the father or mother who serves and sacrifices for their children. So one author has compared this to writing checks from a checkbook. So the authority of position gives you the right checkbook. The authority of blessing gives you the money to keep those checks from bouncing. So as you want to make sure that when you go to write a check, when you're going to deposit that check, whether it's with your authority, with whatever it may be, you want to make sure that there is that you got blessing in the deposit, that you can put that, deposit that check, and make sure that this authority is being used for the good of this child and for the glory of God. I'm going to make sure I'm going to write a check. I'm going to do, I got authority here, and I'm going to put it down. What is behind that check? Do you have the ability? Do you, are you able to practice that authority with that? So the authority of blessing gives you money to keep those checks from bouncing. So the authority of blessing gives you money to keep those checks from bouncing. So basically, 
It doesn't matter if you have the authority of position if no one is listening to you. So you want to have your kids' attention, right? You want to be able to teach your kids and train them to listen to you. If, if, we're, if we're not doing this, if we're not helping them see the goodness of authority, especially at the younger years, then who's going to say they're going to get older and then they're, they're all of a sudden going to be like, oh, I just want to listen to you. I just want to follow your example. It's in these younger years that we're, we're putting deposits in. Authority of blessing. I'm going to put this deposit in. Boom. Because this is going to bless you. I'm going to teach you this. I'm going to call you on this. I'm going to discipline you. In this moment, I'm going to practice my authority because it's going to bless you. And so as I do that, you're, 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 you're gaining attention. You have a listening ear. You're teaching your children. As Doug Wilson says, authority flows to those who take responsibility through sacrificial service, just as Jesus did. Biblical authority knows how to bleed for others. The foundation of all Christ's authority in the church is the blood that he shed. He took responsibility through sacrificial service, and therefore all authority flowed to him. He shed his blood as he was assuming responsibility for the sins of his people. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. Jesus took the rap for things he didn't do. That's the model we are to live out. So paramount to exercising your authority in the home is your example of godliness. I think that's what Mike was talking about earlier. Kids are watching. They're listening, but they're, more, they're watching. And they're learning. So your example, are you consistently amazed by God's grace? Do you possess, does your life possess honesty and integrity? Are you a compelling example to your kids? Are you, and this is where, are you spending time with them? That's where if you love your kids and you're interacting with them and you're getting on their level, you know them. You know them. And they're able to see you and see your love. Are you sacrificing to serve them? Do you take the responsibility God has given you joyfully and sacrificially? Or are you just kind of pulling back? You're kind of like, I didn't sign up for this. Uh, This is hard. This is a hard time. I don't know what to do in this moment. I'm just going to kind of pull away. No, we want to use when they're younger. We want to enter into their life. We want to enter into what their minds and how they're thinking. And we want to be that authority. So Ephesians 6, 2 through 3, honor your mother and father. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you. This is the promise. As children obey their parents, there is this circle of blessing. There's this idea that children, there will be a blessing that God brings. So we want to, we tell our kids that. We say when they are out of this idea, when you're out, when you've disobeyed and you're not honoring and listening to your mom and dad, you are outside the circle of blessing. God has made a promise in his word that, that we want to follow and obey him. And when we, when we sin, when we, when we disobey, we come out of that. And so mommy and daddy love you so much that we're going to address this and we're going to bring you back into the circle of blessing. And you're going to see your sin and you're going to repent. We're going to talk about it. And we're going to bring you back in. And we explain that to our kids. And, and we ask our kids, hey, why do we obey? Why, why, why do we obey mom and dad? Why do we o- obey? And the answer is because God loves us. So we want to teach our kids, not just, hey, God's in charge. He put me in charge, so you're going to listen to me. No, it's, hey, God, we obey him, and you obey me as I obey him because he loves us. Because it's all about that he, ha- he loves us. And so we want to remember as we are teaching our kids authority, as we are calling them to follow our authority. Even from a young age, I think for parents with little kids, they hear and learn more than you realize. So I think even in the younger years, they are learning, they are listening, they are seeing, they are following. And so even from a very young age, 
they are doing that. Number three, we want to teach our children obedience. So your children are quite clearly commanded to honor and obey you. So here we are where the children are to obey their parents, and they are commanded to obey. So here's what obedience is in our home. This is kind of how we capture it for our kids. Obedience is right away, all the way, and with a happy heart. So they know. I think it's good. Don't, I think we make assumptions. Oh, well, you know what to obey is. No, I don't. We need to teach them to obey. Don't assume. They're, remember, your kids are new to this world. I don't know what obey is. I don't know what it means to obey. Like, we need to have clear definitions, clear expectations for our kids to follow. So you are teaching. In these moments, you're teaching them what obedience is and what it isn't. So in our home, obedience is right away, all the way, and with a happy heart. And so that's what we remind them. And so we, we use this. We use this our authority, and we call them to obedience, and we're using that to teach them this. And so we want to have you told your kids what it means to obey. Do you have that type of definition that's simple, that they can remember, and that they, they know, okay, when mom and dad come and they uh, give me an instruction, I know what it means to obey. And if they don't, you're able to explain to them, hey, you obeyed right away and all the way, but you were not cheerful. You grumbled. You complained. You made a face. You, we want to teach our kids this is what obedience is. And so this is how we use our authority to train them in. Ephesians 6, 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Deuteronomy 6, what Mike read. Last night, when the storms came, this idea when he was talking, when you lie down at the end there, teach them diligently. When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down. We were lying down last night, and those big storms came, and we had to do some parenting (laughs) right when the storms came. I mean, when we were lying down, there was a moment. There was fear. There was, they, they were afraid. And we had kids that we had to instruct and help. So even when we're lying down, even maybe when you're lying down and there's crying and disobeying, that's still time to parent. It's still time to teach. It's still time to do that. It's, we don't stop. And so we have to teach them. So what does this training look like? So I think this is, this is I hope this serves you. Training is primarily a matter of practice of teaching, of showing. So here, here's an example. I have the joy of coaching a third and fourth grade flag football team this season. We had our first practice this week, and I get there, all the boys show up, and they're like, they're ready to play. They're like, hey, we're, can we scrimmage today? We're ready to go out. Like, and I'm like, some of these kids have never even played before. They don't even know what they're doing. So they show up, and they're, they're like, hey, we're, we're ready to go. And, and I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> you don't even know the rules. You know, like we need that Vince Lombardi moment where he just says, now this is a football. Like they need to understand the game from the very simple thing of this is a football. And, but they're, they're just like, they're ready. They're like, hey, I'm ready to go. I don't need rules. I'm ready. You know, but for coaches, we're like, no, you need to understand the game. You need to learn it. And so with that, there's training. There's practice. We're trying to show them. So I think what we can be tempted as parents to do is especially when they're younger, we can assume that they understand what we're saying. So it's kind of like with these kids. If I were just to sit down and we sit around the table and we're talking about the game and I'm drawing, I'm showing them pictures, and, and we're just sitting and talking, and then the game shows up, and I'm like, all right, go do it. And they're like, wait, what, what do we do? How, how does this work? We've never actually practiced. We've never actually lined up in a position and ran the play. We just talked about the play, but we never actually did the play. I think we do that as parents. We can talk about 
what not to do and what to do. We can sit around the table and fill our kids with all the stuff, but we never practice. We never actually teach them. So a great example is, okay, when you're teaching your younger kid how to actually obey. What, when they're young and you're introducing what obedience in our home is right away, all the way, and with a happy heart. So I'm going to take this and I'm going to put it down over here and we're going to practice. And, and we're going to practice what obedience is. Okay, so go get that book and bring it to daddy. Great job. You did it. Great. Like it's, it's at that level of like, we are teaching them and showing them. We're getting them ready for the game. We're getting them ready to enter into the game of life. We are to teach them diligently. We are to walk with them, talk with them, sit in their house. We are to call them to do this. But we have to do this repetitively. We have to do this ongoing. We have to be patient. This takes a lot of work. This idea of training and practice and getting better and growing is just, it's constant. It's nonstop. And we have to remember our kids' frame. I always go to Psalm 103 when I'm struggling with a child who's just having a hard time. I have to go to Psalm 103 and I have to remember, I have to remember as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to us. So, okay, I will need to be compassionate right now. And I need to remember, I need to teach, I'm trying to teach obedience, I'm trying to be patient, trying to show, remember their frame, Jake, remember their frame. They don't know. You need to teach them. Have you taught them? Are they, do they fully understand what's going on? And in those younger years, there's a lot of practice, there's a lot of teaching. So, we, we go into the game. So, here's, here's different illustrations. So, when we go to the store, we talk about going to the grocery store. I don't know if y'all do this, but with young kids, talk about going to the grocery store. Talk about, hey, what are, what are the things that you're going to want to do at the grocery store? Here's what mommy's expectation, here's what daddy's expectation are of when we go to the grocery store. Okay, so you really like when we get to the candy aisle to grab all the candy, right? And you want, and you, and you start asking for all the candy. I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that. So when we go to the candy aisle today, what are we going to do? Are we going to touch the candy? No, we're not going to touch the candy. Are, are we going to ask mommy or daddy? No, we're not going to ask for candy, are we? Okay, so let's walk up. Okay, we're walking up. Okay, where's the, there's the candy. What are we going to keep doing? That's right, we're going to keep walking past the candy. Yeah, and, and so now what happens now if we get there and we start asking about the candy and we start disobeying? What's, oh, yeah, there's going to be a consequence. Mommy or daddy, we're going to lovingly discipline you and spank your bottom, and we're going to help you to learn and grow. And so there's this idea we don't just tell them, but we practice. You got to get them in the game. You got to get them in the scenario. You got to show them how to do it. So with, with, when cousins or company comes over, all right, so hold that toy. I snatch it. <clears throat> what do you do? <laughs> Boy, you know? No, no, we don't punch. No, we don't punch. All right, let's practice. All right, hold the, hold the sword. All right, I'm going to grab it. And then what are you going to do? All right, yeah, you're going to ask for it back. Good. All right, let me grab it. Uh, can I have that sword back? No. Okay, what do you do? Bam! <laughs> no. So, all right, I'm going to take the sword. You're going to ask for it back. And then if, you, if I don't give it back, or if your cousin doesn't give it back, or a friend doesn't give it back, then you come get mom and dad. And you ask us, and I will help. But, I mean, like, we're talking to, like, three, three-year-old, four-year-old. They don't know how to do this. Like, they don't know what they're doing. They're following their heart. And we know about that. You took my sword, I want it back. I'm about to kill you and get my sword back. And I'll use whatever means possible. 
So, it's, I mean, it's just, I think when, when you think about that, like, you have, like, as parents, I think we take that for granted. I think we assume. I think this is where we miss it. We just assume so much with this that our kids know how to do this. So we put them in the game, and they're walking, and they're doing it, and then we're frustrated. We get angry. We exasperate them because we're like, hey, what's your problem? Why don't you know how to do this? My question is, has you, have you taught them? Have you shown them how to do it? Have you talked about, hey, we're having company over tonight, and here's, here, we get to serve. We get to share our toys. We're going to, hey, when they arrive, here's how we're, we're going to walk up, and we're going to shake hands. We're going to say, hey, welcome to our home. And we prepare. We, we can't just expect that our younger kids know how to do this. And then we're watching. Here's the, here's the temptation. And then once the company arrives, it's kind of like, all right, the kids are all to themselves, and mom, dad, company are just hanging out. No, we're still watching. We're still evaluating. We're still seeing what they're doing. And so we, we teach them, and we're diligently doing this. We're, our attention, our mindset, if there's something going on, sorry, I need to go address my son. Grateful you're here, but my priority is here. I'll be back. And if you have to do that three or four times, it's worth it. Because what you're communicating to your son or daughter is that you're my priority. And, and, and I set, and we talked about, and I showed expectations before they got here, and you're not following through. So I'm going to follow through. And I'm going to teach you and train you and discipline you because I love you and show you what it means to obey. So we have to show our kids how to do this practice scenarios. Don't think that they're getting it. After, after we, would, we would sometimes do this after dinner. We would send our kids. I would have like a bowl of M&Ms. And I'd be like, all right, we're going to play a game. I'm going to tell you something to do. You go do it and bring it back, and I'll give you an M&M. It's going to be a great game. All right, ready? Go get your pillow. Bring it back to me. All right, now go take your pillow to your room. All right, go get your Legos. Oh, here's an M&M. All right, go get your Legos. All right, bring them to me. All right. Take him back to your room. Do you think you're ever going to have to te- tell your son to take his Legos back to his room? Like scenarios of where it's just like, hey, there's blessing with this. We're practicing. This is good. This, and so it's just like make it fun. Get on their level. Do it in ways which they understand. That's not teaching them like if you do this, I'll give you an M&M. Like, it's like legalist. No, it's just you're training and you're helping and you're, and you're instructing them. And so you, you want to you wanna make this to where they can understand it and that you know your kids. So think about that. Everyone's, every child is different. Even in our family, each of my kids are completely different. They're, they're different. And I need to know and understand them to address their hearts. So that goes back to, are you loving them? Are you spending time with them? Are you drawing them out? Are you asking them questions? Now, if they're young, it's pretty simple. You know, zero to six, we're, you know, we're having conversations, we're loving on them, but we're teaching these things, we're teaching them to obey. These are not, you don't have to spend an hour doing this, you know, like, but train them, teach them, don't assume that they know how to live in this world. If they jump on the table and start dancing, and they're like two or three, they don't know that's wrong, unless you've taught them, but if you haven't taught them, they don't know that like jumping on the furniture, or doing, but you need to teach them. Yeah, that's right. Well, daddy does that, but but then you, you, you help them. You're like, hey, this is how this world works. This is how our home works. This is what mommy and daddy, this is, we're going to teach you this. And now, we're, now that we've taught you, and we're, we'll remind you, we understand weakness, but we're, we'll teach you and remind you, but we're going to hold you to this now. 
And so we go back to, so do you understand? What does it mean to obey mom and dad? Oh, yeah, okay, so obey. We're going to obey right away, all the way, and with a happy heart. So now you know the rule, right? You know the standard. You understand. Okay, let's move on. So we have to do that. We have to continually do that. Lots of talking. So we want to encourage obedience, and we also want to encourage their obedience. But on the flip side, we have to be consistent with discipline. We have to. So we must address disobedience with discipline. In these early years, I, I would say the rod is primary. It is primary because God has commanded it. Proverbs twenty two fifteen: Folly is bound up in the child of a heart, in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives drives it far from him. Proverbs thirteen twenty four: Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Um, Martin Luther had this, said this, a father can perform no act that is more unfatherly than sparing, than sparing the rod and allowing the little child to have its own wanton way. The, the world tells us love draws out the natural goodness in us. The Bible tells us love drives out the folly. I think that's important. Don't miss that. The world tells us love draws out the natural goodness in us. The Bible tells us love drives out the folly. I think that's true. And folly is driven out by the rod of discipline. So Ted Tripp, he says this, um, in order to teach your children to be under authority, you must be prepared to discipline disobedience. Consistency is mandated if your children are to learn that God requires obedience. So some principles for discipline. First is consistency. There has to be consistency on our parts as we seek to discipline our kids. This means we have to stay engaged. We have to watch. We have to know. We have to be attentive. Normally in the younger years, we want to be clear on what our expectations are. The first rule will encompass most of your child training time. So with younger kids, it is obeying right away, all the way, and with a happy heart. That covers a lot with younger kids, right? We're just teaching them, hey, when mom and dad give you an instruction, you are to follow. And when they're young, that's like, hey, that's your life. You don't know how to live in this world, and God has given you mom and dad to listen and obey. So, but don't worry, right? We're going to teach you, right? We're going to teach you how to live, and we're going to teach you how to obey. But we're also going to say, when you disobey, we're going to discipline because we love you, right? Because we love you, and we want to help you. And God says that we should do this, and so we're going to do this. So we want to tell the truth. We want to call them to tell the truth, and as our kids gotten older, we've gotten into their relationships. So disobedience coupled with failure to, dis- to discipline sends mixed messages to our kids. Dis- disobedience coupled with a failure to discipline sends mixed messages to our kids. We want to be clear that we expect full obedience. And if that is not met, then we will follow through with a spanking. I can remember in days when Lauren and I were first raising the kids, and we had discipline issues, and we dealt with them all day. We're just kind of like, man, I feel like we're not doing anything but discipline. I feel like we're just, there's just discipline, spanking, addressing hearts. Then things got a little better. You know, we were like, all right, things are a little smoother. And then we would kind of unwind a little bit you know we'd kind of step back and not be as engaged and then there'd just be chaos again you know you're just like and then you see wow it's not the kids that are the problem right now it's that I'm not engaged with them so it's not that man what happened to the kids they're just disobeying and they're not listening well it's because you've been lazy it's because you've been letting things slide that you weren't and now 
the kids are going back and thinking, hey, it's in the mat. it doesn't matter. And so th- with discipline, we have to be consistent. It, it exasperates your kid. If you want to exasperate your kid and confuse them, then don't consistently discipline them. Be back and forth. And then they don't know the standard. They don't understand, like, what, what am I supposed to do here? Because I got away with murder like two minutes ago, and now I was just a little loud in the house, and dad is like on me. That is confusing. As a, as a little kid, you're like, wait, what, what's happening? I just punched my brother in the face. Nothing happened. And now I was just a little loud, and now I'm like, whoa. So what, that is communicating things to our kids. We have to be consistent. We want to be firm. What I mean by this is we can't be passive. We can't be yielding to our kids. They need to see from both parents or individually, if you're a single parent, that you mean business, that they have met their match, that they want to, as, as someone says, they want a shot at the title. Well, come on, you've met them. We're firm. We're consistent. We're like, hey, we love you enough to where we are going to follow through with this discipline out of love for them. So we want to be firm. We don't want to be yielding. We don't want to be passive. It can be so tempting to take the easier way out. There are days where I'm just like, I don't want to do this, but out of love and obedience to God, I want to follow through. We have to be diligent in this area. We want also to be clear. So you need to be clear when you communicate with your child why they are being spanked. So you want to go to a private room. You don't want to do this in public. Go to a private room. You want to make sure you talk to them. This is why this is happening. This is what you did. This is what the expectation was, and here is what is going to happen. Here, here's how many whacks you're going to get even, so they know what is coming. This is not meant to be a confusing, scary moment. This is meant to be a moment where you are loving them. And as much as you can communicate with them and be clear with them on what is happening and what they're about to receive, that is going to serve them. It is going to accomplish what is after in this moment. And it, this is not a, just a purely punitive moment. This is a redemptive, restorative moment. Keep this conversation God-centered. Address the heart of the disobedience. Not just, hey, you were loud and you were doing this and you were meh. No. What's the heart? What, what is it? What is the disobedience? What is the rule? What is the thing that they missed? And that's what you want to communicate to them. We must control our anger in these moments. And we have to remember these moments, we are imitating our Heavenly Father. We want to be restorative in this. So after you discipline your child, put them in your lap. Hug them. Love on them. Tell them, like, hey, Dad doesn't enjoy this. I don't, I don't enjoy spanking you. I, this grieves me. But I, I do this because I love you, because God caused me to do this. And I want to help you. I don't want you to live in your sin. I don't want you to walk this path. I want to love you and call, bring you back to the circle of blessing. And, and, and so we're going to talk about that. And we're going to pray for you. Do you understand? Okay, do you, do you, for, you need to ask for forgiveness. Let's talk about that. Okay, you're forgiven. Slate's clean. Let's go play. You want to throw football? It's over, right? We don't need to keep bringing it up. Once the discipline is done, forgiveness is asked, back in the fellowship, we're done. We don't bring it up again. They need to see that. We're imitating our Heavenly Father. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God doesn't keep his anger toward us. So once they ask for forgiveness and, it's in this, and, and we say, hey, you're forgiven, it's over, then it's over. It's over. I would say, have a bowl of ice cream. Go, th- you know, like, this is good. We're teaching our kids. We're not heavy with, oh, you're just wearing me out and you're doing this and this and that. And No, it's like, hey, this is what you did. This is your punishment. You're going to be disciplined for this. Yes, it's going to hurt. 
because we want the sting of discipline. We want to teach you. We want you to drive away the folly in your heart. So this is meant to drive it away. And then we're going to be restored and we're going to enjoy life together because when I say I love you, I really mean it. I know right now when I discipline you, you're thinking, Dad, this just hurts. You don't really love me, but I do love you. And I'm going to show you that, not just in the, the discipline, but even after. I truly love you. And then lastly, just pray. I would encourage you, point four, pray. Be fervent in prayer. Are we more concerned with parenting techniques than praying? That's what I would ask. Are we more concerned with parenting techniques than praying? God wants to relinquish our confidence in ourselves and to help us put our trust in him. And prayer is the most tangible expression of our trust in God. So through, here's what we do in prayer, guys. Through prayer, we, are care, we carry our kids to the God of all grace and power. And we say, Lord, what you are calling me to do is impossible. But what is impossible is possible with you. And Lord, I have failed. I have fallen short. I have been angry today, but you haven't. You love these kids perfectly. And I pray that you would use my feeble efforts, that you would use our home to teach these children. And Lord, I pray that you would save them, that you would give them a new heart. Your kids need to hear you pray for them. Your kids need to hear you pray these prayers, not just in private, but with them and over them, that, that they see, well, mommy and daddy really trust God. They really do. They really pray for us, and they really care for us, even from a young age, being able to, in those final moments of the day, pray for them and ask for God's blessing. So here, let me pray for us, and then we'll take uh, how long? 15 minutes? 15-minute break. So, Lord, thank you for this morning. I pray, pray for all of us, even myself, Lord. I pray you would give us wisdom. I pray that you would help us to care for our children, Lord. Lord, I pray more than anything that every child represented here who are here, I pray that you would save them. I, oh, Lord, our greatest desire is that they would know you, that, that, we, that we would be able to pray and share about you with our kids. That they would, that they would, and they would not be hardened in their hearts, but you would ex- exchange the heart of stone, that you would put in the heart of flesh and give saving faith. So help us, Lord, to wait on you, to trust you, to look to you, and, and to be confident that you, you are a good Heavenly Father. And so even in these early years, Lord, where there's a lot of work to be done, give us energy, give us endurance, help us not to grow weary in doing good.
You've been listening to a Cornerstone U class given at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Cornerstone U exists to have our minds renewed by the Word of God, to see who God is, and to live in light of His Word and Gospel. To find out more about previous Cornerstone U classes, visit us on the web at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com forward slash cornerstone-u.